And uh, Shelley's going to come and read from the Word for us this morning. I was, I'm wondering if we could do something as we read the Word this morning. Uh, this is not normal for us, but I'm wondering if we could all stand for the reading of the Word, if you're able, uh, if we could stand for reading the Word. We, about a year or so ago, began saying these words, this is the Word of the Lord, thanks be to God at the end, just to remember what we're actually reading. But sometimes we're sort of, you know, it's a bit like watching Netflix at home, we sort of sit back and watch it on the screen. Um, just by standing, we maybe recognise the the importance and the weight of what we read this morning. So thanks, Shelley, for reading for us. Uh, you need a microphone, don't you? <laughs> Happy Palm Sunday. Uh, it's it's a, a very grand reading to, uh, you know, <laughs> my brothers and sisters standing up. Okay, so I'm reading from Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made covering for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me. And I ate it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's just stay standing, Father. We thank you that as we receive uh, your word this morning and as we reflect on it, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, that you would soften the soil of our hearts to receive those seeds that you would want to plant there this morning. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would grant us a spirit of repentance and faith this morning as we reflect on the problem of human sin and the fall. Um, but also, Lord, the solution in Jesus. Lord, that we would receive you this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. I want to do a little experiment this morning. Is that all right? <laughs> what could go wrong? Block your ears if you want. 
Yes, it's definitely smashed. There are many things in this world that when they fall, they break. This is a relatively, uh, was a relatively fragile glass that uh, we didn't need and was uh, a mismatch with the rest of our collection. And uh, it fell and it landed on a hard ground and, of course, it was always destined to break. Everyone here has accidentally broken a glass or a plate or something before, right? Um, and it's smashed. Uh, some of us have probably fallen off a bike or a swing or um, in, in Karen's case, she almost fell off of the gutter of a house after climbing out the window when her brother was supposed to be looking for her, uh, looking after her. And um, uh, you know, we we've all had experiences where we fall and and it damages a bone or a or, or a muscle or something. Anything is fragile. If it falls, it'll break. Um, and this is uh, a metaphor. It's uh, the image most commonly used to describe the Bible's answer for what is wrong with the world and what is wrong. Uh, uh, with humanity and why it's broken. Um, in short, uh, uh, we fell and then brokenness was the result. So we're going to reflect on that a little bit today, but let me just re- rewind for a few minutes um, and talk about what, why we're here at this point. So we're in a series called The Ripple Effect, uh, which is to equip us to make a rippling out effect with our lives through sharing the good news of Jesus with others. So it's a series on evangelism. It comes from the Greek word uh, euangelion, which just means good news, right? Good news, evangelism, sharing good news. Uh, and today we're looking at the second of the four big gospel themes. So we introduced this last week. God's story is a story of creation, fall, redemption, and recreation. That's kind of the Bible in, uh, you know, four to six words. The Bible unpacks this story, this story of God. God created everything, uh, including us, out of love. You know, that's, that's the creation piece. Uh, the Trinity, the overflow of the, the love of the Trinity brought about existence out of love. Uh, and then secondly, human beings turned away and fell the fall, out of relationship with God. Sin entered the world. Thirdly, Jesus came and dealt with that sin on the cross and through the cross and the resurrection redeemed us, restoring relationship with God. And we get to celebrate this and remember this next uh, weekend. And then finally, he's coming back to recreate the cosmos and establish the new creation uh, for God and humanity to live together as always intended. And so that, that, that creation for redemption, recreation, is the ultra-short, ultra-simplistic way of, of summarizing God's story and what is effectively the good news uh, that we invite people into and that we share. But we too have a story. Our story, your story, either flows out of God's story as we seek to place our lives in his will and in his way, 
Or our story becomes a man-made, a, a self-driven story that we, we separate it from this narrative. Um, but here's the point of all this. Every person's story, every human being's story does flow out of God's story. They're all part of, every person is part of the narrative that God is writing. Every person is created by the same loving God. And if we can help others to see their story within God's story, we're presenting to them the good news, the beginning at least of the good news, to help them see their story in God's story. Because the Bible unpacks God's story, but here's what our conversations with others do. Our conversations with those who are far from God can help them place themselves within God's story. To, to bridge back, to make the connection back to God's story and how it relates to their lives, right? A story that is true and a story that ends amazingly well. And so this is what our conversations can do. Um, I spoke last week about the first part of God's story. He created us out of an overflow of love. Uh, so we can therefore claim an identity that beats other, any, any other identity. So creation and identity, God's story, our story. Uh, we can claim an identity that, that, that is better than what you would give to yourself as an identity or what somebody else would give to you as an identity, right? We can claim this identity of beloved child, made with a purpose, completely loved no matter what. Um, and I left us with the challenge. Anyone remember? Something I keep coming back to each week from now on. It's to offer to pray for someone who isn't a believer. Uh, now, whether that be a person who serves you at a cafe and you go, actually, they seem friendly, I reckon I could, would you like me to pray for anything? Or whether that's someone you've known for decades and you're sitting down having a coffee and then you go, could I pray for you? Uh, to look for an opportunity, maybe towards the end of the conversation, maybe just cold if you'd rather just get it you know, out of the way, because just a simple offer of prayer and praying for someone can help them begin to place themselves in God's story just by what we pray. For example, we talked about creation and identity this week. Uh, sorry, last week, right? So um, I need a volunteer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on someone. Joanne, could I pick on you this morning? I'm not going to pick on you. I'm going to pray for you. Um, what's, just, just tell me, what's something that's been a little bit difficult for you in the last week? It doesn't have to be a huge thing. Just Anything been kind of challenging all the last month or at any point? That's right. We can. You've you've got a great life by the sounds of it. <laughs> Everything's been good. Okay. What about you, Rachel? What's been what's been a challenge this week? Anybody? <laughs> Anybody had a challenge this week? Okay. Work. Work. Wait. That uh, just busy, crazy. Getting in trouble for not meeting deadlines. All right. Would you mind if I prayed for you, Wayne? 
Uh, you'd love it. Okay, that's very good. Father, thank you uh, that Wayne has the job that he has, and I pray that he would know that whether he meets these deadlines or not, uh, that, Lord, you love him, you're pleased with him, no matter what he does achieve or doesn't achieve. And I also pray, Lord, you'd help him just to do what he needs to do in that job to glorify you and to, uh, if possible, please others too. In Jesus' name, amen. So that's just a simple prayer, and what I did was just prayed an element of God's story, which is that Wayne's loved by God, that what he does doesn't change whether God loves him or accepts him or is pleased with him or not. That's his identity. And we can do that for anyone um, in any of these gospel themes. But creation's a great one. Identity is a great one. God, thank you that you love so-and-so. You know, whether this this challenge in their life goes bad, ugly, whatever, you still love them, you still care about them, you still have made them for a purpose in Jesus' name. You know, we can do that for anyone. And I recognize that might take, and it's certainly, you know, for me, this is the case, it might take um, a few weeks or so to to build up the, um, the to, to find the opportunity to do that with a non-Christian or even to build up the confidence to, to pray with someone. But when it comes to evangelism, when it comes to sharing our faith, Praying for someone in person is one of the best tools we have because uh, it's that opportunity to go, we, we speak the gospel, we pray the gospel over them. Um, so I encourage you, be on the lookout. Um, pray for the opportunity to pray for someone. Ask God to give you the opportunity. He's probably not going to drop it completely in your lap, but he can certainly open that door for you to walk through. I've discovered that God loves to answer prayers. And so when we pray this, he will, he will give us the opportunity. So we've covered creation and identity, God's story, our story, uh, that first of the four themes. That was Genesis chapter 2. It doesn't take long for the Bible then to move to the next phase the next of the gospel themes, which is the fall. Fall and brokenness. And like the glass that shattered when it fell, when we fell out of relationship with God, we broke. Creation broke. Relationship with God broke. Relationships with each other broke. Life broke. Brokenness is what has become our story. Uh, we see all this in the interaction with Adam and Eve, the, the, the serpent, uh, God's in there, like this, this, this interaction of a number of parties. It's a single act of distrust of God. Whether the liar, the enemy comes in and said, maybe God wasn't truthful. Maybe the fruit is, you know, the fruit is a good idea. You'll, you'll be like God. I heard someone say recently, that's the essence of human sin, wanting to just put ourselves in God's place. And, and this led to a few things. If you look in the passage, we see shame. Oops, we're naked, right? The shame comes in. They see, we see blame. It was her fault. It was his fault, right? Blame. And uh, if we had read the, re- and apologies, it said 1 to 24, but we were just supposed to read 1 to 13. But if we read through to the end of the chapter, um, the other result in there that we'll see is pain. The resulting experience of you know uh, having to work the soil and pain in childbirth and all of these things that come in, right? Shame, blame, pain. That's kind of the effect of this fall from God's presence, this sin that enters the world. And uh, probably the more common or the most common biblical language for this is sin, 
and death, right? So we in Romans 26, sorry, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin, the result of sin, what happens from it is death. What actually was Adam and Eve's sin? Well, the servant, this is servant, the serpent invited them to doubt God's goodness, invited them to become like God, to put themselves in God's place, if you like, to trust themselves and not God. That's kind of the essence of it. Uh, to walk a path laid out not by God, but by someone else or by yourself. That's in one way of putting what, what sin is, is, is all about. It's a trust issue. And, and we uh, human beings now experience this and wrestle with this every single day. Paul writes in Romans 5, sin entered the world through one man. In other words, sin's still now our reality. It's our problem too. We don't just kind of look back at Genesis 3, Adam and Eve, and go, right, we know now what not to do. We can learn our lesson and do better. Right? It's actually just it's our reality now. It's a constant struggle every single day. Um, we actually are battling not just a lesson that needs to be learned but a sin nature. Uh, writers for, for centuries have described sin as not just um, what is a more um, reformation kind of idea, which is like the breaking of rules, but actually an infection that's through all of creation now. Uh, like a disease that has spread. It's corrupted all of creation and humanity ever since that point in the garden. And it has a devastating result. Romans 5, sin entered the world through one man and death through sin entered the world. And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. And so the shame and the blame and the pain that we see in Genesis 3, it's all the death of perfect, unhindered, beautiful, transparent, trusting and loving relationship with God that they had and with each other as well. But, it, of course, it goes beyond just sort of there's some blame and pain and the shame and all these, these things. There's also uh, we die physically as a result. We are dying. We have disease and all these things that kick in. In our sin, we're dead spiritually. And even the earth environmentally is dying. And so sin leads to death. The fall from relationship with God leads to brokenness. There's a number of metaphors, images you can use. I mean the same thing though. Now you may ask, okay, look, how is the fall then a gospel theme? How is this part of God's story? Surely the, the good news and the narrative of God's story is about the good things. Uh, you know, I've been saying creation, fall, redemption, recreation. These are the themes of the gospel, the good news. They're, they're part, the parts of God's story. How is falling from God's presence, sin, corruption, disease through the whole world, good news? How's it part of the story God's writing? Well, of course, on its own, it's not good news. And God didn't bring sin into the world. But God did give us something that means he created us out of pure, unselfish, abundant love and is why we see sin. That is, he gave us free will. Think about a God who creates humanity as pre-programmed robots to love him. Is that even love? No, by definition, love requires a self 
giving to another. Uh, and so a God who creates pre-programmed people who just by default serve and love him, it, that's not love at all, but to create beings with free will who have a choice, that's the ultimate expression of love. But, of course, we made our choice then. And that choice was rebellion from God. That choice was to to go our own way, and now our story is brokenness. And so the fall by default sin becomes part of this story, not all of it written by God, but it is God's story as a result of who he's created us to be out of love. I'm sorry, my iPad keeps every few minutes. It scrolls back to the top of the sermon. You probably don't want me to go back to the top of the sermon every time it does that. <laughs> okay. Um, so I could go, you know, we could go into, well, why is this? Why couldn't God just change the rules, right? Why couldn't he go, well, we just we will just overlook that and we'll start fresh again every time, you know, someone gets it a bit wrong. And we could go into, you know, his holiness, his purity. Um, and the reason that this is such a big deal, the fall. But we're here to think about our friends and our family who are far from God this morning, our friends and family who don't know Jesus, who don't say, I I choose to trust Jesus with my life. Um, And actually I think that most people get this. They get the world is broken. Relationships are broken. Stuff's just not right. And most people are trying to find a way to fix that. Stuff's broken, and I want it to not be broken. How do I fix it? How do we overcome the brokenness? How do we get better? How do we experience wholeness and healing and fullness? And we as human beings then do what? We try everything under the sun. We we go to whatever we think might fix the problem, to see if it will, and nothing works. Some stuff really doesn't work, and it makes it a whole lot more broken. Some stuff, well, probably doesn't seem to work, but doesn't do too much damage. But nothing really works to fully fix the problem we find ourselves in. Why is that? Why does nothing else work? Well, let me remind you of a joke that you may have heard before. Uh, some of you, this may be new to you. This guy comes to a doctor, right? He says, doctor, doctor, you need to help me. Everywhere I touch, it hurts. I touch my leg, it hurts. I touch my arm, it really hurts. I touch my ear, it hurts. I touch my nose, it hurts. I touch my chest, it hurts. Doctor, what's going on? And the doctor says, I think you've got a broken finger. Right? What's going on there? Well, here's another story. When I was younger, I was on the playground and I accidentally hit a kid in the back of the head with a football. Um, and uh, I'm pretty sure it was an accident. I can't remember if I kicked it or threw it. And this kid, um, uh, still remember, he was much smaller than me but a bit tougher, and he came to me and I saw he was either going to push me or punch me or something. So I put my hands out, and mum and dad know this story. Well, uh, he, he grabbed my finger and he twisted it and it hurt. So we went to the doctor and um, the doctor had a look and said, I think I was about 10 at the time, nine, something like that. And the doctor said, I think it looks looks like it's just some ligament damage. So go to this physio, get these exercises on the finger, should be, you know, right in a few weeks. So did the physio, 
it's not getting much better. In fact, it's getting worse. It's getting sore. Went back to the doctor. Okay, maybe we better have an x-ray. Oh, it's broken. And now the bones have reset in the wrong place. So then I have to go to the specialist uh, and the surgeon, you know, cut it open, re-breaks the bones in the surgery, puts screws in. Ten weeks later, I think it was, takes the screws out again. Still, Have we still got them in the jar at home? Yes. <laughs> um, back in the day when you couldn't just leave them in. Uh, so what was the issue in the first place? What led to the surgery and everything? Right, Misdiagnosis. Not identifying the problem correctly in the first place. You don't do physio on a broken finger. The reason we must understand this part, second of these four parts of God's story, this, this theme of the gospel, this part of the gospel, is because if we never help people correctly diagnose the problem, they'll never find the answer to their brokenness. Your story, my story, our story is broken. We, we get that. I think actually that most of our friends, most, of, most human beings get that and realize that. The reason is the fall. The reason is sin. The reason is separation from God. And if we can help people see why their lives why their relationships, why their world is the way it is, i.e. correct diagnosis, then guess what? They're going to meet a God who does not leave them in their brokenness. They're going to meet a God who pulls them out of the muck and mire and says, this is not the end of your story. Let's read the rest of Romans 6. 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Life abundant, life eternal, for the wages of sin is death. Yes, that's the problem. That's why the death and the pain and the shame and all of the other stuff, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There's the solution. There's the remedy. Nobody likes talking about fall and separation from God and sin and death. But, friends, this is so critical when understanding the gospel we seek to share because incorrect diagnosis is damaging, if not deadly. If we remove fall, from the story of God and humanity, we leave a deadly infection unattended. That's the problem. But on the positive side, when you identify the issue, when you diagnose the problem, you can find the solution, and the solution is Jesus. Death is resurrection to redeem us and bring us back to the relationship with God, which is the only thing which brings wholeness and fullness of life forever and ever. And at this church, we, we just unapologetically say every single person on the face of the earth needs Jesus. All have, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Therefore, everyone needs a saviour, a redeemer, a forgiver. And so, my friends, as we enter Holy Week,
as we enter uh, this seven-day lead-up to uh, the resurrection, Resurrection Sunday. Don't be scared to feel the darkness of this week, if you like, the darkness of, of Thursday and the Last Supper and the betrayal, the darkness of Friday and the cross, the darkness of Saturday and the silence for two reasons. Firstly, because uh, Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming, and if you know Jesus, then the darkness, the brokenness, the chaos, it's not the end of your story. It's not the end of our story. Hallelujah. But also, don't be scared to feel the darkness of this week because you have friends and maybe family for whom that darkness is still a spiritual reality and they want out. They just don't know how yet. And you have the answer. And so I want to encourage you, pray for them this week. If it feels like, man, this is kind of a dark week, pray for them that they would come to the light of Christ. Pray that God would give you an opportunity to pray with them soon. It's just a small step. We don't convert people. We don't change people's hearts. That's God's job. But he's giving us a a, a, a a role in that, an opportunity in that. Pray that God would help you communicate to them, to your friends, family, that there's a reason for their brokenness, however they experience that brokenness. We all experience it in different ways. Pray God would help you communicate that, pray for that, and ask God to help you point them to the one who can fix their brokenness and make them whole again. Amen. Father, I ask that in our own brokenness we would continue to experience your healing and redemption. Lord, this is not a case of uh, we, we have everything right morally and then so therefore we go and show other people how to live in order to be right with you. Lord, this is a case of you have forgiven us for all of our sin and wiped everything clean. And one day you're coming to recreate the world and fix everything else up. But in the meantime, Lord, we are also broken people. And so I pray that as we pray for those stuck in brokenness, as we build relationship with those stuck in brokenness, we would just see that the only difference between them and us, the only difference is you and what you're doing in our lives, that we may know that what all we want for them, God, is you. All we want for them, Jesus, is, is you, is your presence, is your forgiveness, your grace, and an understanding of that to land on a soft heart. Lord, we pray that you would soften hearts of those in our lives who we're thinking about right now, the names coming to our minds of somebody who we are witnessing to, the names coming to our mind of somebody we work shoulder to shoulder with. Lord, we pray that you would soften their hearts and we pray that we would be surprised by the opportunities that come up. We, we pray you, we would be surprised by someone coming and saying, hey, 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 Bob, could you 
pray for me when they've never asked that before. We pray we would be, we would be surprised when, uh, and or even not surprised, Lord. We pray that we would we would have opportunities this week where someone would come and say, "What's Easter about?" and that you give us the words to speak. We thank you, God, for the privilege it is to steward the gospel. Help us to do that well in Jesus' name.